Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Capturing the Games, the Game Within the Game podcast, featuring me, your co-host Desmond Jones, and Brady. Uh, today, I'm just flying solo. Today, Brady's unable to make it, but that's okay. We're still gonna have a rock solid uh, interview today. Uh, before we get started, I want to remind the audience, and listeners, and viewers that Capturing the Game is sponsored by Capture Sports Agent Agency, where the uh, CEO and founder is uh, Shanta Swift Jones. Enough of that. Now, the introductions is over with. On to the main important part. We got my man's, he's a head coach over at Ubaraki Robots. His name is Richard Gleesman. Richard, how are you doing, man? I'm excellent, Desmond. Thank you for uh, having me. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing good, man. It's doing good. So uh, can you go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about yourself? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, brief, brief summary. Um, I played uh, Division three college basketball up in Boston um, and then um, was a college coach for a long time, um, was at a Division two school um, in Long Island, Delphi University, then was at LIU Brooklyn um, for six years, and then I went with uh, my, the head coach um, to Duquesne University in the Atlantic 10, um, was there for five years, and now um, I had an opportunity to coach uh, professionally in Japan, um, so this will be my fifth year um, doing that. So, really liking the uh, the professional game. Um, Japan's a great place, and um, last season uh, we went forty six and eighteen, and, and moved up to um, B one, which it's called in Japan. So it's definitely a big challenge this season um, going into you know the the highest division. No, uh, congrats on the elevation. It's always good to to uh, to bounce up, especially into a higher competition. Yep, yeah. As long as you got the horses to do it. Oh yeah, that that is a big thing. <laughs> yeah. What 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 made you get into coaching? Um, you know, I think I had a really good um, relationship with with my college coach, and just the um, I, I played Division three Emerson College, and. Um, how that program was run um, was just really special. It was just kind of something I, you know, wanted to keep being a part of. So I think that if I hadn't had such a great experience um, playing college basketball, I probably wouldn't have gone in, into coaching. I'd probably be doing something else. No, that makes that makes total sense. So, tell, you know, tell us what it's like being in Japan right now um it's 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 wild you know i'll be honest like the longer you're here you kind of um you get used to being you know in another culture in another country um i'm you know i'm married with um you know five-year-old twins and um you know japan's very safe and um you know the, the money is good um so there's a lot of just really positive things with being over here um, I never thought we'd, you know, actually be here for this long, but, you know, we're, we're going to at least be here for one more year and then kind of see how it goes after this. Oh, yeah, it makes, uh, I understand. I had a, a real close friend of mine uh, live in Japan. I think they lived in Japan for about two years. He was kind of based out there. Yeah. And, uh, he, he, he went through, mo he went through parts where he loved it and he went through parts that uh, he was ready to come back to the, to the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So that's a little roller coaster way for him. Yeah. But uh, what's some of that uh, for any athlete that 
are inspiring to play overseas and gain that professional uh, career, what's some of the do's and don'ts that athletes should be doing and they should not be doing? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, I think, first of all, um, you know, obviously it depends on, on the level of the, the, the player, right? Um, you know, I'm just going to focus it on, um, you know, men's and women's uh, basketball players. I, I don't have much of a, uh, obviously I have a way better idea of like, you know, professionally, especially on the men's side, you know, in the Japan market, but I can kind of speak for, um, I, I think basketball as a whole overseas um, too, too many players, um, you know, are, are good college players and they want to keep playing college basketball, but they don't understand that, you know, one group leaving college that season is a small, small number of like the overall overseas population. So when you're competing for a job as, you know, a 22 year old, who's, you know, just leaving college, you're competing against, you know, some 30 year old dude who's been playing overseas for eight years. So what happens sometimes is, you know, guys who are, are, you know, high level college players think that they can just like come overseas and make, you know, 200 grand and live in a great you know country and ride off into the sunset or like get somewhere to then try to make the NBA. And in the bottom line is like, you gotta, you gotta be ready to fight when you uh, try to go overseas. Now, obviously like if you're, you know, a real high level player, borderline NBA player coming out. Well, yeah, you're going to have different opportunities, but most, most guys playing overseas basketball are not, you know, borderline NBA players. So they got to be willing to fight um, and scrap and get on a roster and keep moving up, you know, um, not, you know, don't try to hit a home run on the first swing, you know, get somewhere. It's a good opportunity for you. Um, and don't be too greedy and understand that like, Hey, um, if, if you're, you know, passing on an opportunity, you just never know how many other opportunities are, are going to come up. Yeah. That kind of leads into my next, like, like question for myself as, um, you know, how should players or how can players go about getting found and try to get recruited to play overseas? Like, you know, what's something that they should have put together? Is there a place that they should go to reach out to people? You know, what, you know, if you're, if I'm an athlete, you know, I'm not really, uh, I'm not really ready to be done playing, but I still want to put in the work and to make it to the next level and want to play overseas. You know, how can the athlete end up overseas? Yeah, I mean, bottom line is like, at least in Japan, and, and I think a lot of places, you know, if you have a, if you have an agent, you know, who's pushing you, who, you know, the agent has relationships with, you know, overseas management, overseas coaches, you know, that, that, that's usually, I think the main way most players are able to um, get, get to a spot is, is through an agent. You know, there are, uh, you know, showcases and stuff um, that are run, <laughs> you know, I, I think it kind of varies. I, I think some, you know, showcases can be good um, you know, getting, getting some guys, some looks, but, but a lot of them aren't because like a lot of the showcases, like, in my opinion, like the overseas teams aren't really watching the showcase, you know? So like you could play great in a showcase, but like, if, if, you know, it's kind of like that thing where like, yeah, you, you, you know, you, you play well, but like our overseas teams actually watching it and making evaluations, 
Probably not. A lot of them, no. Some of them, yes, but a lot of them, no. So I think, you know, it starts with having, you know, an agent um, who, who's going to push you, you know, and understand what your game is, where you can fit. Um, I think I think that's kind of the best um, idea to start with. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Um, I know one thing um, that I hear my, my wife talk about is uh, just so many different athletes with like some of their highlights videos just because of the music and stuff. Like a lot of times overseas coaches discriminate against, I don't say discriminate, but they dislike the, like some just the videos. I mean, some of the yeah. music in the videos and stuff like that. So I wasn't sure if that, um, if yeah. like, if that's like also like a big turnoff for you guys as well. I mean, it's not, it's not personally with me. Um, I don't think a lot of Japanese like teams would like to, you know, like not take a player on the music, but yeah, like I would advise if, you know, my son or, you know, one of my former players that I coached to college, you know, I, I would advise like when you're making a, a video, not, not just with the music, but make it as professional as possible. Um, and, um, you know, within that video, like, guys sometimes worry too much about, you know, I gotta, I gotta show them this. I gotta show them that. Like a lot of times with, with the videos, you want to just show like what, what you are in your strengths, like number one. And the reason I say that is because like, if, if a team is really looking for like a true five man and you know, you're a better like true five man as an inside player, but then like your highlight video is like playing a little bit inside, but then like a lot on the perimeter. And that's not really what you are. That's really not going to help you um, in the grand scheme of things. So I think, as, you know, if you're a versatile player, you know, it's fine to obviously have a lot of versatile highlights in there. But I think if you're putting a highlight package together and marketing yourself to overseas teams, make it like genuine, like what you are. And that's going to be the best recipe going forward. That does sound like the best recipe going forward. Um, yeah, I can I can imagine how confusing that could be. You see someone that says they're a specialist in this, but then their highlights video yeah. don't really showcase that. So yeah, yeah. Or you know, overseas coaches aren't just going to like watch a bit. Like you know, if you shot you know twenty percent from three, they're they're gonna they're gonna look at your stats and see that. You know. So, yeah. Um, what so what what's the level of play out in Japan right now and and also in the league that you're uh, currently in uh, compared to like um, what a college athlete would know? So I know you've had experience, you know, coaching and playing in in the D two and D three level, and you know, so how does that compare to? I mean, I'm assuming I know it's a step up, but you know, how much of a yeah. step up? You know, is it? Uh, yeah, I mean, again, I, I, I actually don't know the D3 level anymore because I just played there and I coached D2, but I was at Division One for like a long time. Now, now different, I was at different levels of Division One. Like, you know, I was in the Atlantic 10, um, like the five years before I got to Japan. Um, okay. I, I think the biggest thing is this. Japan, you get three import players. So most of those players are American, but, you know, sometimes guys will take, you know, players from Australia, Europe. Um, and Japan has good guards. So, you know, but they don't have hardly any bigs. So like most, you know, teams in Japan are focused on getting, you know, forwards with size, you know, in Japan. Now it's changing a little bit, um, 
for, for a variety of reasons where like there's some wings and some even like bigger size combos that are coming to Japan. But overall, like it's a more forward driven import market. Um, and, you know, I mean, even since I've been here going into my fifth year, I mean, it, it's a high level. Um, it's high level. Like obviously B1, which we're in this year, is the highest. But then, you know, B2 has you know, very good imports. Even B3, you know, pays well. Um, some of the teams pay well. So, you know, it, it's, it's a good level of basketball. Um, you know, it, it's, it's uh, you know, you got guys um, in B1 making, you know, 500 to, you know, $800,000. Um, you know, you got a lot of guys kind of in that like 200 to 400 range. Um, so it's, uh, you know, these, these guys are getting, you know, paid a lot of money. Um, it's, it's usually a market where they like to get guys who have already played in Japan. So once you're in the market, you can kind of stay here for a while. It's harder sometimes to get in, especially as a younger player, but, um, you know, teams are taking guys from high leagues in Europe now, you know, a lot of guys, uh, have come from like the ACB, the top league in France. Um, a couple guys this year coming from the BBL in Germany. Um, so just just the level that of import player that is coming in here now compared to a few years ago is higher and that's because of the money it, it's money driven you know like if you can get paid more money in japan compared to you know your opportunity that's why guys are, are kind of taking the, the jump to japan oh yeah that i mean listen you tell me I'm, i wish i was like 10 years younger i can still move around quicker i can maybe try to lace up my shoes and try to you know put on a showcase and try out no i'm just kidding <laughs> no uh <laughs> but um what type of athletes um th th so this kind of kind of you kind of echoed it already but i'm wanting to make sure people know and the audience the listeners knows what type of athletes uh should play in this league yeah i mean you know it varies right so like some mm -hmm. teams like guys with like a higher level skill you know some guys will take more you know athletic guys who can get up the floor um so it really it really depends um and that's kind of what i'm saying like you know I, I don't know every market so it's different but like in japan specifically with only having three import players like the teams are looking sometimes for like specific roles right so like you could be a stud, you know, um, back to the basket five man and you're a really good player, but like they might not like want that direct position, right? They might be looking for more of like, you know, a face up four who can slide to the five and, and, and go from there. So it really kind of depends on team to team. Um, but I'll say this, like um, one thing that's kind of clear the longer I'm here is like if you can't if you can't defend your position as either like a four or a five it, it's hard um sometimes you got to really be able to score <laughs> or create um so what, what i'm seeing now is like a lot of teams you know they'll they'll take one guy maybe who can't like defend as they think like a four or five but there's no japanese players who can do it right so if if i'm a coach and i bring in you know, uh, a bad defender at the four, a bad defender at the five, like I'm kind of setting the tone there. I can't like bring like Japanese players off the bench to like match up with, with dudes. Right. So, you know, 
when, when I talk to like management from different teams, different coaches, you know, one thing they'll say a lot is like, all right, well, we got this guy who can like score. We really need a defender who can guard fives and fours. So I think, you know, you know, I'm, 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 I'm being long winded with this, but I know almost every team in Japan likes to have at least one of their three imports as a versatile defender who can guard fours and fives. No, uh, I mean, that makes total sense. I think you see, you're starting to see that even trend in the, like in the, in the NBA, in an NBA game where you see, yeah. you, want, you want people that can play multiple, defend multiple positions and yeah, play multiple definitely. positions. Yeah. And I, now you're starting to really, you know, just hearing you talk about that, you see it start to really uh, echo into all the different leagues as well, because now they want the same thing, because now basketball is trending more so in that direction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, what, so how has it been, like, coaching overseas? So, like, how competitive or how, how different is that from coaching here in the United States? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of similarities, but there's a lot of differences. Like, you know, obviously, you know, when you're a college coach, you're worried about recruiting, academics, um, you know, maintaining, you know, relationships with like your players, like from their high school coaches, AAU coaches, mom, dad. There's just a lot that goes into to it, right? Having like, you know, staff meetings that, Tuesday, you know, at 9am where like, you know, you, they're talking about, you know, um, you know, the softball team having a game, you know, this weekend and, and, and stuff like that. Professional basketball, at least in Japan is, is different. It's just really about like the head coach, coaching staff, um, you know, putting the players in position to, to win. Now, obviously like relationships with the players is a big part of that. So, you know, you're still going to, you know, I, I still have like really strong like bonds um, with, with the players and like relationships with like the players and like, you know, their, their wives and, and so forth. But like, you're not like having to like, I don't have to like deal with like the players that I coach, like they're like high school and college coaches or anything like that, you know? And, it's, it's really just basketball based. Like you don't have to worry about recruiting and I'm not, you know, checking, you know, guys, 9am class, you know? So, so it's really more basketball centered. Yeah. That makes, that makes total sense. Um, it's, I'm sure that that eases, it takes a lot of pressure off off coaches just because the fact that because I know recruiting is so it can be hard and stressful at the same time and just the fact yeah. that you don't really have to devote that much time into do that you can actually focus in on the game yeah. itself. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing how much more um, you know you learn about yourself as a coach and just with the amount of time I have to focus on actual coaching you know, has, has really, you know, I think, you know, maybe a better coach these last few years. Yeah. I, that, that kind of leads into my next question is like, how have you uh, continued to develop as a coach um, over these years from when you first started to where you at now? Yeah. I mean, I think one thing, you know, one difference from, you know, college now, like, I'll be honest, like me and management, we're like, we can be on the same page, 
Um, but at the same point, like it's a little bit different than recruiting because like I might um, need to take, you know, a player who, you know, is a good value, you know, guy, but like might not be like a hundred percent, like the fit, like I need in, in our system. So you, you got to be flexible. Um, and I know like, you know, college coaches have to be flexible too, but when a lot of professional coaches, they're not just like handpicking their team. They're kind of like the management or, you know, for different reasons, like they might be able to like pick, you know, their imports, you know, handpick a couple guys, but a lot of times the team is kind of formed without you like recruiting and choosing each player. And, and I bring that up because you have to then be flexible while still maintaining like an identity. Right. So like if, if, if I was to recruit everybody like to my specific system, it, it might be easier in some ways. Um, but, you know, you have to also, I think, like have a system in place and have the expectations of the players who are coming into your system that like, you know, this is how we're going to try to play. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, ooh, I can only imagine. Okay. So uh, before we, my last question before we go into the rapid fire stuff is, you know, what's um, what's some things that athletes should do more of and what's some things that athletes should do less of? Like um, before they come to, to Japan, you think, or like, you yeah. know, while here? Yeah. Uh, a combination of both, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I just think, you know, and again, this is kind of age. I, I see a difference sometimes with like, you know, the, the players who are, you know, a little bit younger compared to like the veteran uh, professional guys. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think one thing, you know, specifically for younger, you know, players um, coming overseas, even if you, you know, have a year or two experience, is just, you know, understanding the situation that like this can be taken away from you in a heartbeat. You know, so, you know, one, one um, bad judgment um, can literally be, you know, the difference of you, you know, making a team, not making a team, you know, listen, so, some stuff's out of your control. So like, you know, um, but, you know, some, not, not as much in Japan, Japan, you will get cut if you don't, you know, perform. Um, but I think it's a little, I think they'll give you a little bit more time compared to some other places in, in Europe. But, you know, some places in Europe, I talked to, you know, some of my friends who coach in different places. And, you know, literally, like, if you have, like, two, two bad games, like, they'll, they'll, they'll get you on the next plane ride, you know, going home. So, and, when I, and, and, and sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. You're just in a tough situation. But, like, let's just say, you know, you know you're drinking, going out, you know, that week you know, before the game, you know, so your practice isn't at the highest level it can be. Well, well, that all, that all impacts you, you know, and there's going to be guys who you're competing for jobs who aren't going out every night, who are taking care of their body, you know, who are, are resting and, and, and working out and, you know, ready to, ready to earn money, you know? So I just think, um, you know, if you want to, you know, relax, you know, party and enjoy that life, like do, do it in the off season, you know, do it in the off season because, and again, you still have to train and keep your body, you know, in good shape during the off season. But like when you, when you're playing overseas basketball, um, you just never know, 
you just never know. So you just got to take it, you know, real, real serious and, you know, have that killer mentality where like, I have this opportunity and I don't want anybody else to take it away from me. Uh, yeah, I think if any athlete can walk in with that mentality on an everyday regular basis, that they'd be so much better off at the end of their journey. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the, the minute that people take the foot off the gas is when, you know, things begin become, you know, be, it becomes, uh, you know, looking, getting haywire. So yeah. Yeah. Um, just having a mentality every day is helpful, man. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. All right. So that kind of, that wraps up the first part of our, our of our interview process. Uh, so now we're gonna to transition to our rapid fire round, where we kind of ask uh, this little fun little question. So my, my question for you is: Are you ready to play? Yes. All right. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Start you off something simple, real quick. Uh, chocolate chip cookies or oatmeal raisin? Chocolate chip. Okay. Okay. That's a good. That's a good choice. You know, I, it's it's. There's nothing wrong with a good chocolate chip cookie. So yeah, I like chocolate. So. so yeah, so both me and my co other co-host, uh Brady, we both we're on the oatmeal raisin side, but mm-hmm. I I have my moments where I go for some chocolate chip cookies. So uh TV shows or movies? Uh movies overall, movies. Mm, favorite movie of all time? Uh good question. Casino um is up there um going back to my childhood raiders of the lost ark i I like more probably like old older older movies Ooh, that's a good choice though okay um who's your um i'm not sure if you watch uh, much of the nba but who's your top five in the nba right now top five in the nba um i I, and and it could be all time as well so Okay. Um, you know, I, I, right now I think Giannis, you know, especially if they win tonight, you know, has established himself, um, during these playoffs and, um, you know, he's just awesome. So, um, I I think LeBron, you know, it goes without saying, you know, being, you know, a top two, top three player of all time. Um, I I think Giannis and LeBron, um, are, are kind of that, like, you know, their own, um, level right now mm-hmm. um all all time players you know i grew up in boston so it's hard for me not to uh to say larry bird just growing up in the 80s when larry bird was uh was you know the king as they yeah. say um but you know i i i i like i really appreciate the spurs you know dynasty and you know what tim duncan did you know um just winning the amount that that he won um, well, just being so humble, being an awesome teammate, you know, every coach, you know, I think would, would love to have a player like Tim Duncan, who just wins at that level is a great teammate, but also like takes coaching, you know, at such a high level. I mean, you know, the, the Spurs coaches, you know, Popovich specifically would just get after Duncan and, and, um, he would accept it as if he's like the 12th guy on the roster. And I think, you know, that kind of set the tone for the whole, you know, Spurs organization. Um, so, and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, young players, obviously, like Zion and, and John, like guys like that. I mean, I, I, I'm excited, you know, for the league going forward because there's some great young players. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, their time is coming, you know, uh, right now, but it's still a lot of, 
greats that's in the game. You, you spoke yeah. about Giannis. You spoke, spoke about LeBron. You still got yeah. the KD. There's still, there's still a lot of great talent right now in the NBA. And, but there's yeah. a lot more that's coming, which is, you know, the league's in good hands right now going forward. Yeah, it is. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, your favorite sports moment you have uh, seen or witnessed? Oh, wow. Good question. I mean, honestly, this year when we when we won our semifinal game at home and went to B1, it was a massive, you know, deal, you know, for our city. There was a parade for us, you know, that, you know, after that and stuff. And um, I just think that moment we worked so hard, that was definitely in my um, top three you know, with just, you know, being able to celebrate with our home fans and the amount of blood, sweat and tears that were put into last year with, you know, COVID protocols and stuff. I, I just think it was a really special moment, you know, for our team and in our city. Um, but also, I, I think one definitely in um, 2011, when we won the um, Northeast Conference um, Championship at LIU Brooklyn, I was an assistant um, we won in dramatic fashion um, and, you know, the crowd rushed the court, you know, and then we went on it in the first round. We, we, we were a 15 seed. We got screwed. We should have been a 13 or a 14, but we got North, uh, UNC North Carolina in Charlotte, you know, the first round. So, um, but, you know, we gave them a good run. So I, I would say like that those, you know, winning the, the, the league championship and then going to the NCAA tournament and playing North Carolina, like that was a very special, you know, moment, um, kind of like an accumulation, you know, of a lot of, of a lot of stuff. Um, and, um, non-coaching, um, one, one great memory. I think I was 21 years old when the Patriots won the first, maybe 22, when the Patriots won the first, um, Super Bowl. being from Boston, people don't understand that, like, from 1986 to, to you know 2001, there was there was no championships in Boston. Now now it happens like you know every year. But um, so the Patriots won the super, the first Super Bowl, and um, from a fan perspective, that was that was probably uh, my favorite experience. Look, if Brady was on this podcast right now, uh -huh. he'll be he'll be jumping for joy. He's a huge yeah. Tom Brady fan. He's a huge yeah. Patriots fan. Well, he loves. Yeah, I, I'm almost starting to think he's from there. That's how much he loves. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but uh, so uh, last question is: uh, if you have any organization, if you had a chance to take over any organization, uh, who would you want to take over? Now, this could be any sports, or it could be like Nike, Nike for example. Or it could yeah. Be or some athletic team, or it could be a nonprofit. But you get the chance to take over any organization. Who you choose? Oh, wow. Good question. I mean, the Celtics, I think, would be really special, you know, being that I'm from Boston. Um, I think, um, you know, I, I, uh, you know, taking over something like, you know, UNICEF or like, you know, uh, that that type of um, uh, nonprofit that, that's like really doing a lot for people. I think, you know, th those type of people, I just have such you know, respect for, um, that like, I don't think I could do it, but I respect like, you know, any type of nonprofit that is helping the world or, or helping a community. Um, 
I just have such high respect for that. Like I kind of put them in like a different, you know, category than like a, a sports person. Um, but as far as yeah, me, like sticking with the basketball theme, if I was to take over, you know, one, one, you know, quote unquote program team, it would probably be the Celtics. A lot of history right there. Yeah. I yeah. understand the, the whole, like, Nonprofit is like in its own separate tier, so I hold yeah. I hold them at a much higher regard than any, you know, professional related sports could yeah. going on for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Rich, that concludes our episode. But uh, before I let you go, can you tell the audience um, uh, where they can kind of follow your career and kind of keep track of you and kind of keep up with everything that you got going on? Yes, um, I think you know probably like Twitter. I guess is is the easiest um thing and um it's at rich gleesman um is my uh is my twitter so um keep it keep it you know simple uh rich r-i-c-h and my last name gleesman g-l-e-s-m-a-n-n well there there you go ladies and gentlemen that concludes another episode of Catching the Game, the Game Within the Game podcast. Uh, if you're if you haven't already, please go ahead and give us a follow follow on Instagram at capturing underscore the underscore game underscore pod. You can also find us on Twitter at ctg underscore podcast, and also go ahead and hit uh, that subscribe button on YouTube at Capturing the Game podcast. Um, Richard was awesome catching up with you real quick, man. We got to bring you back at the end of your season or sometime later down the road, for sure. Absolutely. I appreciate Desmond. Yeah, please uh, stay in touch. And uh, if you need anything on my end, please let me know. I will most certainly do that, man, without a doubt.